Well, hello and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we're talking with Abby Picard, Hospital Accompaniment Specialist that's in the uh, Domestic and Sexual Violence Services within the Department of Family Services. We're going to talk about the uh, hospital accompaniment program and exactly what that means. Abby, first of all, welcome. Thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You are with Family Services overall in the Domestic and Sexual Violence Services program. Family Services is a huge department. Uh, What can you tell our listeners, first of all, about Family Services? So the Department of Family Services has a number of uh, departments that are underneath it, um, including children, youth, and families, adult and aging services, the self-sufficiency, which is uh, accessing benefits, things along those lines. And then domestic and sexual violence services is under the Department of Family Services as uh, one of those kind of subsections. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we provide uh, access to survivors of sexual and domestic violence um, and provide advocacy for folks who have experienced uh, sexual or domestic violence in Fairfax County. Um, But we also work with other agencies in the Department of Family Services when there is overlap, uh, which is why it's so great that we're a part of that larger community of of resources as well. Now, I know I've done um, various different podcasts when we've talked about domestic and sexual violence violence services, and it, it, it... I was going to say it always amazes me, but I guess surprises me how how broad this is. Domestic and sexual violence services. There's there's a lot of ground to cover just in that name, but there's there's more to it than just that name. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we really want to stress for folks when they're accessing domestic and sexual violence resources is that uh, violence is something that occurs in people's homes over a wide variety of different situations. Um, And we want to make sure that we're supporting not only the victim who's experiencing violence, but supporting the family as best we can to make sure that folks are safe, that folks are healthy, and that folks have access to the resources that they need. So as a hospital accompaniment specialist, I provide a very specific uh, role, but we have folks who work with families in uh, counseling services, advocacy services, um, housing support and economic support for people who've experienced domestic and sexual violence. Um, and we also do outreach and education uh, with the community about domestic violence, sexual violence, what they look like, how to respond to folks who've experienced them, and how to uh, engage folks to learn more about the services that we provide and the dynamics of domestic and sexual violence. Now, we're going to dive deep and talk about the hospital accompaniment pr- program and what, what that exactly means. But I want to kind of talk about the, the violence part first before we get into that, because when we hear domestic sexual violence, it's, am I correct in saying it's not always just physical? Absolutely. Um, I think that there is uh, more uh, information out there about people who have experienced physical violence, um, but there are many other types of domestic violence that we see um, that can include sexual violence within the context of domestic violence, but it can also look like emotional abuse, manipulation, Financial abuse is one that isn't talked about as much for folks, but it's present in uh, up to 90% of domestic violence situations. Um, We also see things like spiritual violence, uh, which is, you know, preventing people from accessing their religious beliefs. And then we just see a variety of different forms of violence that, you know, are different for every person. So 
we as a department definitely have things that we see more often, um, but every situation is different and folks are always going to know about their own situations and what they think is best for them and their safety. So we really try to work with people to understand uh, what their situation looks like. And we never make the assumption that physical violence is going to look any specific way for any specific person. Well, I wanted to make sure that uh, I was remembering correctly in past conversations because I think that was the the part that really surprised me because, you know, I just assumed, you know, growing up and hearing the term that domestic sexual violence, it meant, you know, the physical part of it. And there's, there's way much more to it than that. But I'm assuming that with the hospital accompaniment program, you're dealing with more of the the physical part of it, of it. Is, that, yes. is that a correct assumption? Okay. Yes. So uh, specifically with physical violence and with sexual violence are typically the two that we see with hospital accompaniment. And the reason for that is the services that are we're providing at the hospital are going to be uh, twofold. One of them is medical services. So obviously, if someone has been injured uh, in some way, we want to make sure that they have access to uh, resources to take care of their health. But then the uh, department where I work in the hospital is the uh, forensic assessment and consultation team, or also called the fact department. And the fact department is there in the hospital for the process of collecting evidence. So if someone has experienced violence um, within that first few five-day period, there is time that uh, the forensic nurses, which are specially trained nurses, can conduct evidence collection. So if the person who uh, abuser assaulted them, left any sort of DNA evidence from that assault, that can be collected by these forensic nurses and saved so that if that person ever decides to go forward with a court case or making a report to police, um, they have the option to have that evidence collected and available to them, whether they want to report to the police right away, or even if they just think that they're not really sure yet. Um, they don't really know if that's something that they want to do, but they want to make sure that that evidence is collected so that they still have an option. So if you're coming into the fact department and you're specifically working with us in the context of hospital accompaniment, it typically is that physical violence. Um, we definitely see folks who come in. Most folks don't experience only one of the different forms of violence. Typically, oh. folks in an intimate partner relationship that has violence uh, are not experiencing just emotional violence or just physical violence. You know, they're often experiencing a combination of different kinds of violence um, in an effort for the person who's harming them to exert power and control over them in a variety of different ways. Right. Well, that, that power and control, I think, from the, again, the, the handful or less of interviews I've done over the years, that's that's what one of the things I remember, too. It's most of the times, if I'm correct, not about the violence, but it's just exerting that, as you say, that control over the other person. Absolutely. Um, a lot of times we, you know, think about domestic violence in the context of that physical violence, like like you said before. But one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that physical violence is often deliberate. And, you know, it's not just um, someone's reaction to something that a person did. It's not about someone having an outburst, a lot of times physical violence in an intimate partner violence situation is about uh, that person, like you said, exerting control over their victim and exerting control in many different ways, physical violence being one of them, but also um, many of those other things that, that I mentioned before uh, to make sure that the 
uh, abuser feels like they're in control of the situation. So the hospital accompaniment program kind of take us back from the beginning. I, I guess how does someone reach out to the to the program? How do you get involved? Kind of help me understand where this hospital accompaniment starts and, and how it starts. Sure. So accessing hospital accompaniment can happen one of two ways. Um, for folks who go directly to Inova Fairfax Hospital and are referred to the fact department, um, when they are referred there for this process, if they have decided that they don't want to report to a police officer, um, that's a situation where you know, there's there's a bit of a gap. So when someone reports to police, there is an opportunity for them to speak with a victim services advocate. But if someone wants to come in to the fact department and access uh, services, but they are not reporting to the police, that's when the, we would send an advocate. So whether that's someone like me or another trained advocate, we have both volunteers and staff to accompany someone so that they can still have someone who will help them access resources uh, and provide emotional support for them. So as I said previously, the first way that this can happen is if they're already at the hospital, if they're coming to the fact department, the fact department will call our hotline. The other way that this can happen is if a person directly calls our hotline, and that is the Domestic and Sexual Violence 24-Hour Hotline. It's at 703-360-7273. And you can call that hotline any time of day or night for resources regarding sexual and domestic violence. But if you call and you're specifically seeking services through the hospital, those advocates who run the hotline will get in contact with a hospital support advocate. And during uh, normal circumstances, not under COVID-19 right now, but typically um, that advocate would be contacted and then would come and meet you at the hospital if, if someone contacted the hotline. As of right now, um, it's not uh, an option for us to be at the hospital due to restrictions uh, regarding, you know, how many people can be in a space at once. So we've been providing what we're calling telephonic accompaniment. So even though we're not able to meet someone uh, directly at the fact department location, um, I can just touch on this in a minute, but there's a daytime and a nighttime location. Um, we will still be connected with folks over the phone. And it's a little bit different than the hotline. Um, we have trained hospital advocates who have a little more information about what the process looks like for receiving services for a fact department exam. And so when they arrive at the fact department, the nurse will connect them with one of our hospital accompaniment advocates, and they can talk to them about any questions that they might have, get some support in terms of you know, their immediate needs, do some planning for safety and, you know, finding more information about referrals to follow up services like counseling, victim advocacy, um, if they choose to report or access services through the legal system. So when they're going to the fact department, they're going to be connected with someone over the phone, um, rather than being connected with someone in person. So how does someone know that a fact department exists. And I guess the reason I asked that is by because I want to ask, and I'm sure I'm misunderstanding it, the way I heard you describe it is I almost have to know to go to a certain department to get help. What if I just go to the hospital to to seek, you know, medical attention for my injuries, but I'm not necessarily coming out and saying, you know, my 
my my partner, my my husband, my wife, whoever, uh, you know, sexually assaulted me, you know, physically abused me, that type of thing. Is there? Do you understand what I'm what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the fact department does a lot of outreach within the hospital um, to make sure that medical professionals in the emergency rooms, urgent cares, um, different kinds of uh, medical professionals throughout the hospital are made aware of the services that are available through the fact department. You know, the exams that I'm talking about for that evidence collection are one of the main things that is done at the fact department. However, they also uh, work as subject matter experts on the topics of sexual violence, domestic violence, strangulation. And then they also do um, some work related to child abuse, which is not under domestic and sexual violence services. So I can't speak to that as much. But they do a lot of outreach within the hospital so that medical providers know that if any of those things come up with their patients, they can contact the fact department and get guidance on those things. So when someone has come into an emergency room and says, you know, this is the, this is what happened to me, they have the choice of accessing services like the fact department for evidence collection. Or, you know, sometimes a lot of patients say, I don't really want to go through that. I just want to make sure that, you know, I have medical attention for my injuries. And that's okay, too. Right. Um, both of them are options. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a little bit of both. Okay. Does does anything happen uh, from the law enforcement side that, that triggers hospital accompaniment uh, program involvement or, or anything along that line? Or is it just starting at the hospital level or medical provider level? So law enforcement, um, when law enforcement get involved with a situation like this one, they're going to provide an advocate from Victim Services Department, which is specifically within Fairfax County Police Department. So we wouldn't necessarily be called out specifically for the hospital accompaniment. A lot of times those victim services advocates are going to refer folks to other domestic and sexual violence services within our department. Um, But if someone has decided from the beginning that they want to make a report to police and the police are with them when they go to the hospital, they're going to be connected with a victim services advocate. And the reason why we do that is because if someone is making a police report, it means that there are going to be a number of different things that happen along the process. And so they want to make sure that they're connected with specifically that uh, advocate that works within the police department so that they can coordinate from that end. When we would be sent out, um, it doesn't mean that your reporting options to the police are not available if you're coming in. But if someone comes in and says either, no, I definitely don't want to report to the police, or I'm not really sure if I want to report to the police, I just want to go in and I'll figure it out later. Um, We can provide, when we provide a hospital accompaniment, information for them about what reporting might look like if they make that decision later on. Um, And they have the choice to access those services with uh, information about what that can look like for folks. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're not going to get an advocate. It just means that we're going to send a different type of advocate to the hospital for the accompaniment portion of the services. So it's kind of like you're providing navigational services through the the, the maze of, you know, hospital and all that kind of stuff, as, as well as counseling services? Yeah. So, you know, with the hospital accompaniment, we know that it can be, you know, a, a difficult and scary experience to report to anyone that someone has experienced an assault or abuse. So it's important for us that we have many different opportunities where we could connect with someone. And hospital accompaniment services specifically provide 
emotional support during a particularly scary time for a lot of people. A lot of times, um, you know, because of the way that evidence collection works, people are coming in within that five day window. So it's typically something that's just happened to someone. And we want to make sure that they have emotional support through that process. So that emotional support is one of the key things about accompaniment. The other piece about accompaniment that's really important is letting people know that they can access additional services. So we want to make sure that we are reducing barriers as much as possible for people to access services, but also recognizing that when we're working with victims of sexual and domestic violence, we want to make sure that all of our services are led by the things that they are, want to do. So if they specifically say, you know, I want to come in, I want to do this, go through this process and have that hospital accompaniment. And after that, they say, I don't want to access any services whatsoever. That's completely fine. That's completely okay with us. We want to just make sure that during the process of getting an exam, they have the support they need, and they know that there are resources available to them. And so a lot of times, you know, somebody might say, I don't really want to access resources right now. But because we're able to accompany them for that specific purpose, we can give them information about who to call, where to contact us, if they decide later on down the line that they might want to access services. And, you know, the really important thing that I think I hope that everyone leaves with after they've gone through the process of, you know, that hospital accompaniment and forensic exam is that we have that 24-hour hotline that they can call at any point and then they can get connected with any of those resources that we've discussed. Not uh, pushing or advocating for a certain course of action, but just providing all the, the information and the facts and, and letting the the person or, or client, if you will, decide which way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's an important facet of everything that we do in the department with domestic and sexual violence services. Um, we know that when people have experienced domestic violence and sexual violence, those are situations where someone is trying to control a person and the decisions they make about their safety. So for us on our end, we want to put that control back into the hands of that survivor, back into their hands to make decisions about what's right for them, what's safe for them, right. um, because we know that they're coming from an experience where that control was taken away from them. Right. You mentioned that uh, 24-hour hotline. Uh, I believe the number you said was 703-360-7273. You also mentioned uh, a couple of things earlier I want to make sure we cover uh, you said something about uh, uh, during the daytime, it might be somewhere else or nighttime, that kind of thing. And then also the, the pandemic and how it's uh, affected uh, operations. So uh, kind of touch a little bit about that, if you will. Absolutely. So during the day, uh, there is a location in an outpatient clinic at Dunloring, which is probably about 10 minutes up the road from Fairfax Hospital. And that's available. They're open from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. to take patients um, in a an outside location. So one of the things that we're seeing with the pandemic is folks are concerned about going to the hospital right now because they know that there's potential risk for exposure. Yeah. Um, but if you go during the day and you're able to contact the fact department, either through the hotline or through the hospital, um, there is a separate location. Um, and so that is an option, again, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. After 5 p.m., the location is within Fairfax Hospital. You don't have to go through the emergency room or anything like that, but because it is that overnight um, option, because that the fact department has someone on call 24 hours a day, 
Um, just for security reasons, the forensic nurses will move from the daytime location, which is isolated, to the, the hospital itself. Um, but what, like you mentioned the, about the pandemic, one of the things that we definitely have seen from folks calling the hotline is that people are resistant to coming in if it means that they're going to have to come to the hospital right now. And so it's really great that we have this daytime location um, that is available for folks who may not feel safe coming into the larger hospital, but still want to receive services. Any other uh, major changes, disruptions, anything uh, pandemic related? Uh, Not specifically for hospital accompaniment, other than the fact that I mentioned before that we're doing our accompaniments over the phone rather than in person at the moment. But the fact department is still providing services exactly as they always have been um, with with safety measures in place, obviously. So if someone is getting connected to the fact department, again, either with us through our hotline or if they're contacting them through the hospital, they will be asked some screening questions to assess if they are potentially experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. But if they are, they won't be turned away. It just means that the nurses are going to make sure that they have uh, full PPE so that they can reduce the risk of transmitting the disease. But those services are still available, whether or not you're screening in for COVID-19. Right. Gotcha. We are about to run out of time. It seems like we just started chatting. What what else do I and listeners need to know about the hospital accompaniment program? Is there something I, I haven't asked you or something you really want to make sure that uh, that we walk away from our conversation today knowing? Sure. So one of the things that I think is really important is that we provide services to anyone who has experienced intimate partner violence or domestic violence or sexual violence regardless of gender, race, uh, national origin, age, disability, religion, sexual orientation. Um, we provide services to everyone. So a lot of times folks are under the impression that domestic violence or sexual violence only happen between people who have certain identities. That's not true. It happens in many communities and with many different folks. So I want to make sure that that's clear. The other thing that I want to make sure is clear is that all of our services are offered absolutely free of charge. We do not charge for any services. And that's actually true about uh, the fact department as well. So if someone comes in for an exam um, that is paid for by the state, it's paid for by the state of Virginia, uh, rather than um, people having to pay for that, you know, through insurance or anything along those lines. And so that is something that I want to make sure people realize is that there is no cost for any of our services through domestic and sexual violence services, and there's no cost for going through the forensic exam. That's a that's an excellent point, and, and uh, something I should have made sure we brought out earlier. So thank you for uh, for bringing that up. Excellent, uh, excellent sure. point. Uh, you mentioned the hotline. Any other uh, resources, uh, phone numbers, websites, emails? How can folks uh, get more information? Or is the 24-7 hotline the, the, the best source of, of info? So the 24-hour hotline is a great resource if you want to get connected to um, our resources through referrals directly. Um, our hotline advocates, we have staff advocates, and then we also have volunteer advocates who are trained on how to do that. You can also go to the Fairfax County website and in the search bar, just look for domestic and sexual violence services. And we have a website that has all sorts of amazing information. In particular, I would love to draw people's attention to the fact that we now have resources that are COVID-19 specific about staying safe at home if you're experiencing violence, planning for your safety, supporting others if someone in your life is experiencing violence and resources that are currently available during COVID-19. So our website is another great place to find more information. 
Okay. All right. Very good. And again, the 24-7 hotline, 703-360-7273. Abby Picard with us today talking about uh, domestic and sexual violence services within the Department of Family Services, specifically about uh, domestic and sexual violence services hospital accompaniment program. Abby, thanks so much for being here, sharing a lot of wonderful information, and uh, hopefully it's a situation where uh, we can put you out of business. I hope so, too. I'm going to keep working until I put myself out of a job. All right. Abby, thanks again for joining us. Thanks to our listener, to you for uh, for being with us. If you need to get more Fairfax County news and event information, we encourage you to uh, go online and visit us at fairfaxcounty.gov slash news. You can also call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. And that's weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. The County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government.